Good evening. Welcome in to the pod. Now, our guest this week was uh, supposed to be Tommy, supposed to finish off the um, the cycle. However, due to unforeseen circumstances, Tommy will be joining us at a later date, hopefully next week. Thankfully, I live with another member of the league, and as he would say, what else am I going to be doing right now at 11 p.m. on a Wednesday? So, we, uh, Will Tamke, welcome to the show. I'm very happy to return. Very happy to be here. The first repeat guest, Jack. How are we feeling? Pretty good. I I, I like having Will on. <laughs> he's a good he's a good one to uh, chap his hide. Uh, <laughs> Yet again, uh, Will and I are sitting in the same studio together, which is always a good time. Um, hopefully, our unspoken language comes through to our, our listeners tomorrow. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was a it was a busy, uh, important week for the league, and yet no trades were made this week. Um, kind of makes you wonder if we're at that point where teams kind of are either have given up or they feel the good teams feel satisfied with, with where they're at. Um, now I, I, I will note um, the trade deadline is coming up. Um, I'll check that really quick. Um, so today is uh, November 16th. You'll be hearing this on November 17th and the trade deadline will be November 30th. So still some time, still 13 days left. Will, are you planning to make any big moves for the last 13 days before uh, the trade deadline hits? Well, you know what? Let me say this. Go there. Goder yeah, is officially he's on the trading block. So if anyone wants to <laughs> offer me uh, anything for Goder, he, you know his his I'd say his ceiling is high. Um, oh. All right, so well, yeah, that's what I have to say about that. I'm going to do something that we've done on multiple episodes that we've done without you present with with you present. Maybe we can talk this out and think about it. Sometimes we look at your team and talk about some moves you can make to. Um, to uh to optimize your team's talent. Now, of course, you lost Goder. Thankfully, you do have um. <laughs> wait, did you drop Goder? Yeah, I did already. <laughs> so he's on the he's on the waiver block. Um, Will does have Friermuth, so losing Goder wasn't really a big deal. Um, however, the the loss of um the loss of uh, Javante Will's team has been really weak at RB two since then. So Will, I mean. Right, right now, the the hearts of your team are right there at the top. Lamar Jackson and Christian McCaffrey. Um, are are you looking at other those guys and saying, "Hey, these guys look. They've been good, but um, I'm ready to break them up a little bit. I'm ready to I'm ready to get a lesser quarterback or a lesser running back to pair with maybe another running back or another wide receiver. Or to you, you don't want to give up your stars. I think my my thought now that McCaffrey has Gone to San Francisco. I'm going to keep him. He seems to be getting more touches there. I, if you asked me this four weeks ago, maybe it'd be different. Uh, but I like I like what he, how he's performing. I like how Lamar Jackson is performing. Um, oh, Jalen Waddle's been kind of your team's other star. Yeah, and it, well, well, I'll say it for this week. It is it's tough that I have three of three people who I normally start on by, <laughs> including Zay Jones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Jones Zay Jones, yeah. Yeah. 
an average point total, by the way, of 8.1. So, Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> I will say a, a podcast that both Jack and I listen to have called Zay Jones the spot start king. So yeah. I don't think Jack can really bag on that. Yeah, so uh, he, he does fine. But, like, I, the, I really am not – I realize now that, like, the, the fact that it's been tough with my bye weeks these past two weeks. I've had, I've had three substantial players on bye each week. And that includes this week. So I it's tough. Or so not each week; these last two weeks. But right, um, and the entire state of Florida is on by this week. One in Miami, one in Tampa, one in Jacksonville. I mean, Will, you're you're at an interesting place because um, you know many have proclaimed your team dead. I'm still not willing to do that. I think your team maybe is one away from being dead. I think once you hit seven losses, you kind of are in a dark place. But um, well, of, of course, you're you're four and six right now. And what is the normal? Uh, Win count you normally need to get to get to the playoffs. Well, there's there's 14 games in the regular season, so you're not going to make it in the playoffs with a losing record. So the I would say on average, um, the sixth seed is usually a 500 team that went seven and seven and scored a lot of points um, from the tiebreaker. So, like for instance, no team has lost eight games yet, but I still consider Tommy, Declan, and Frankie to be officially eliminated in my book because. Um, I think they their teams aren't good enough to like like if if Tommy had the most points scored and was three and seven I wouldn't consider him out because I would say this is a really good team that can win out and then they'd win the tiebreakers but there's just too many things that have to happen where you're kind of out so will the reason I say this though is that you really have to win this week um, and with guys on by and especially two real real star talents um, would you be willing to make a trade that is mostly made for the purpose of winning maybe this week and next week or are you still focused on the on the plan focus on the vision of keeping the best team possible i think once i get um to once i add a defense for this week um i am confident that and i don't know why i can't add a defense by the way i don't know what i don't know i tried i've tried to (laughs) claim it i was like yeah sure i'll claim it and then i just just it never shows up (laughs) I, I don't know what is wrong. I don't know why it's not adding. I, I've tried multiple times. So okay, The defenses you're trying to pick up are defenses that were just dropped okay. last night. So that means that there's a new waiver cycle for them for another day. Okay. So if you put the claim on them, then your claim will process um, tomorrow morning at 4 a.m. As long as someone else didn't claim them, that's above your okay. waiver. Right. Good to know. Okay. I think, I think McKinnon is low. I think Tony's low. Um, I, I think we're going to overperform the projections, uh, and I think I, I think I can beat Declan this this week, who's projected ninety four point five right now. So. Oh yeah, if you're facing Declan, like it's really yeah, it's, it's really a shot in the dark. Like he's yeah. he is probably the worst team in the league this year again. I think Will makes a fair point that um, he's trying to trying to win out right now, and he can't just win the week, and he's getting a favorable matchup. Um, Declan, as we know, has struggled to um, to gather star power to piece together wins. He kind of had this hot streak thing started, and then, um, well, actually, I'll I'll kick it off with with our matchup uh, this week. Um, it was a, it was a total stinker. I, I don't know if it was the lowest <laughs> game of the year of the year so far, but um, I would be surprised if someone has scored less. Declan put up fifty three points this week in our matchup. Um, oh. Headed into Sunday night, none of his players had scored double digits. The one player that ended up scoring double digits was Justin Herbert, who is his quarterback. And Herbert actually had a decent game, but, I mean, 
this has been my problem with Herbert this year in fantasy. It's like, yeah, he looks good, but just like real life, he's been like a little disappointing. Like he can't really will his boys to a win. And in fantasy, he just kind of like, his floor is like, yeah, it's like 12 points, but his ceiling has been like 20 points, which is like a good week. But like, I mean, again, I, I drafted Justin Herbert as mm-hmm. I think the QB three, maybe the QB four, but I think the QB three and a lot of the, the, the algorithm believed that Justin Herbert was the fantasy QB two this year behind only Josh Allen. They had him above Mahomes. So I don't really know what's happened. I mean, he had that injury that silent him for like a week and he was kind of injured with it. But, um, I mean, yeah, Declan's team simply, I mean, you just look at their projected, like when you're going into a week, when the projections just don't really believe in you, um, there, there's not a lot you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people were ready to crown Herbert as like the next dude, you know, like it went Mahomes, then Lamar, then Josh Allen, and now it's Herbert, you know, like he's the next one up. Um, in reality, like he plays for a middling, always perennially injured um, Chargers team who consistently get overrated, you know, like it's, yeah. it's like a it's meme. So- yeah, I mean, it really is. Like, my roommate bet the Chargers to win the Super Bowl this year. And I was like, dude, you're just throwing away money. I've watched a lot of Chargers games. They're just, as a franchise, doomed. Like, it's just, they are a perennially cursed franchise. And to have a guy like Herbert, obviously great. But when you get injured early in the season, and then your team trots you out there every week, it's going to be, like, a bad scenario, Right. And then you also have argu- like an arguably top five running back in the league right now. Yeah. And then, Herbert's I don't know. For sure. Even and, if Herbert hasn't materialized, he's still a top talent and everyone believes in him. And then as well, Conrad, because somehow they're always injured, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams both go down. So it's like, who is he throwing to? Josh Palmer? Like, I'm starting Josh Palmer this week, but it's just because those two are out, you know? We're playing them this week, and I'm sure it's going to be another really good game. It's a primetime game in L.A., mm-hmm. as we know. It's just another Arrowhead game. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, look, I Justin Herbert, I will say this. He's got a very favorable playoff schedule. Not that that matters to Declan, but maybe if you're trying to trade with Declan, Herbert plays uh, the uh, Dolphins, then the Titans, then the Colts, then the Rams. So those are some – Titans maybe not, but those are some juicy matchups. For the playoffs. But um, yeah, he has not delivered this year um, as a drafter. Um, I think on my side of the ball, um, you know, I I was feeling kind of sunk. So I was actually watching the uh, the 1, a, 1 p.m. slate of games this, this week with uh, Mr. Frankie. Um, nice. And with, uh, with uh, a former league member, Zach Pitzel, um, which was great. Uh, and and, and uh, plenty of hogs were there too, of course. Um, <laughs> and... Um, yeah, we were actually – it's crazy to see how plugged in Pitzel and Frankie are to fantasy football. Uh, Frankie has a guy that's really – just hasn't really been able to get it going in this league, and Pitzel is someone that never was able to get it going in this league. Like, Pitzel <laughs> really cares about fantasy football, and he just – yeah, it was it was interesting to see. But anyway, I was telling them that I had benched Singletary this week, and just then he scored a touchdown. Jerry Judy gets injured. Um, that hurt. I was – it was – Singletary, it was like a last-second decision – for my flex, Singletary puts up 15 points. Jerry Judy goes out on like the fifth play of the game for the rest of the game. Um, so that's really the big, I think that's the only reason that my team 
didn't have a very solid week. Uh, of course, again, it didn't really matter against Declan. But um, AJ Brown got injured too this week, Conrad. The Eagles had confidence after the game that he was fine. But like just based on like the non-contact and the high ankle sprains we've had this year, people kind of knew that it would be some issues. So I think they left him out there more as a decoy. But like obviously the injury yeah, had affected I mean, him. I, I, mean, I will you... say this. I, I need A.J. Brown to be able to finish out the season because – my wide receiver two is going to be a rotating carousel or, uh, you know, Deontay Johnson, Jerry Judy, um, Wandale Robinson. So you got to keep the Nebraska, <laughs> got to keep the, got to keep Wait, the Wandale went to Nebraska. Got to keep the wide receiver one. Knock, oh, lock I did not know that. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the two things that I was really happy about this week were um, of course, Travis Kelsey is, is officially, he had his first, like I'm here game where it's just, you know, in, in a, in a just he had his first I'm here game, dude. He had a game with four touchdowns. With, with, <laughs> what do you with mean? My, with my team, I'm saying. It's oh, well, with your okay, I got you. I got you. What separates an I'm here game versus a he is him game? <laughs> oh, this is a well, very you need it. You need at least one hurdle and crotch grab for a he is him game. I think, so. I think, I think a him game is either one massive play for a touchdown, like oh my god, I just got a notification that Stephon Diggs got a 75 yard touchdown catch, or his like third touchdown in the game. That's a he's him. Are there are there any other tiers other than those two? Um, well, of there's course. there's the dog in him tier, which is had a couple broken tackles. And, broken uh, tackles. Is that lower? Is that lower than I'm here? Um, it's on the lower end. Uh, like Damian Pierce consistently has his dog in him games, but I don't think he's yet to have a he's he's a. <clears throat> He's him game. Maybe the one where he had the 75-yard touchdown, but... Perhaps a step below on here is what I got out of Najee Harris, which was the other great spot I wanted to touch on this week. Um, Najee Harris was kept out of the end zone, but he racked up 99 yards. Now, I will say it's very frustrating that they literally just don't pass to him at all. I don't understand why some running backs like Derrick Henry and Najee Harris just, like, are allergic to catching footballs. But um, it was great to see 99 yards from Najee Harris. You know, if you, you know, if you just got one touchdown, that would be a boom week. Um, I'm very encouraged about that. I definitely, I would say if I want to win a championship and I don't want to rely on like, you know, a crazy week from Saquon and Travis Kelsey, I need Najee Harris to, I need my Najee bet to come through. So that was very encouraging to see. Um, Russell Wilson was a decent spot start. I plan to play him this week if Kyler is not back. Um, and yeah, I'll just kind of ride that out. I'm, I'm hoping they don't rush Kyler back. Um, because I, the Cardinals are still staying kind of competitive and, um, Tyler, I really want to be able to run because that is where the value is at. Conrad, Conrad, before we move on, I'd like to bring something up that I've been uh, thinking about throughout this week. Sure. I, I do think you have a good team this year. Dare I say a great team. Um, I wouldn't have made the Saquon trade, but, you know, that's just me. Okay. But I think it needs to be addressed, your points against. I think you can officially be put on fraud alert, especially with these past two weeks, Conrad. Listen, listen. You no, have, no. I, I am the low, I am the second lowest scoring team in the league this year. So obviously I'm not one to talk, but you have, if you look at the top teams, you are years, years below. Like I think Joe has almost 250 more points against than you do. Obviously, you can't control who is doing points against. I just wanted to bring this up before we start talking about you as a championship quality team. 66 points against statistic. 
that's the difference between yeah. the next guy. That's the difference between you and the next guy. 66 points. I'll say this. Um, there are two sides of the ball in fantasy. There's offense and defense. And so, <laughs> I just, I'm, just, I'm just putting you on fraud alert. I'm, just, I'm not officially calling you a fraud, but I no, just want to see, I just wanna see how it goes. See if you've just uh, caught a lucky streak and Joe's caught a bad one or vice versa, you know? No, um, you are ineligible to put me on fraud alert as someone who had like seven weeks in a row being the lowest scoring team. Now, congratulations, you've scored eight more points than Will Frank. He was at the exact bottom of the league. Hey, I'm baby. Hey, I'm back, baby. I'm We're back. Talking about, he was a champion. I'm, I'm talking about Frankie as a Sacco team, so that's fine. Um, I Cut will out, say, out, I'm rebuilt. I'm rebuilt. Only, Don't you worry. This is something I've noticed, something I'm surprised that Will, Will's usually the guy that points out point against. There was one year that I had the most points for, but I also had the least points against, and Will called me a fraud because of that. And I was like, well, I had the most points for, and he's like, it's not fair. So, you know what? You know what? I will take that. Um, I, I, I guess I'll yeah. just use the meanwhile, fantasy defense argument. Bring you, bring that up again. I have the second most points against. So I, I just. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like, if we're going just by points four, I'm not even. You're either fifth or sixth, I believe. Like, I think uh, Joe. <clears throat> I believe Joe, um, Telford, Dawson, and Metcalf all are outpacing you so far. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to call. I'm not trying to throw stones from glass houses. I just have thought thought this has been very interesting that it hasn't been brought up in the group chat yet, especially with uh, consistent mentions of my points for as my team has noticeably been putting on fraud alert recently. This is point well taken. Your, your point is not well taken. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> my goals were to position my team to make a playoff run by getting enough wins in the regular season and to optimize a team for the playoffs. I believe I accomplished a second intentionally. The first one, yeah, might have been some luck. Like, again, this week I happened to play the team that scored, like, again, I think Declan put up the least points anyone has this year. Um, like, I, I think, like, someone has almost quadrupled Declan's score that he put up this week. So that's definitely contributing to it. But, yeah, I definitely had some favorable matchups. I can think of my Frankie matchup the week before where I beat Frankie by 0.6 points. I mean, if I would have played against anyone else except for Tommy and Cambo that week, I would have lost. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it happens. It's 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 unfair. Um, definitely has happened to me, to me. I've been on the other end of it. But, you know, that's what makes fantasy fun. It's not about – it. It is fun. I agree. And, you know, sometimes you just do get lucky with that. But uh, I'm fine to move on. That's Just wanted to point it out. Needed, needed to put a little uh, – needed to put some spirits out there, you know. Will, we can talk about the Battle of the Wills, uh, a, a prelude to the Rivalry Week Part 2 that's coming up pretty soon. Um, now, is, that my, is that my second rival? Will Frankie? Will Frankie's your second rival, yeah. Oh, he, wow. he demanded that you were his second rival because you have the same name as him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, I, I'll, I'll let you take hold of this in a second, but this was just honestly, to me, a matchup where two teams that did very poorly and Frankie happened to have Stevie Lamb who put up 150 yards, 11 receptions and two touchdowns. And that was absolutely the difference. If CD Lamb only, had- wait, 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 wait. only CD Lamb, Conrad, there was no one else who performed above uh, expectations. You, you trade Justin Jefferson for Jonathan Taylor to get your <laughs> points. That is not a boom week for Jonathan. Taylor. It's not, look, it is, it's not supposed to be. Jonathan Taylor was supposed to have a floor of 15 and a ceiling of like 40. So a 23-point game is fine from Jonathan Taylor. The CeeDee Lamb story is what's really going on right now. And <laughs> I think I, 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 
I'll let you finish. No, 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 please. I was just going to say that I think I think the real story of the week was Andy Dalton yeah. posting seven points. That is, I lost by ten points. Almost almost exactly. Actually, you know what? Did I lose by ten? No, no, 24-86 doesn't make a hundred. Um, but I lost by basically ten points, and 17 is what you should expect from your quarterback. So I... I was going into, even with that, I was going into Monday Night Football, or I was going into, like, maybe the evening game on Sunday with a, like, 60% projected chance to win. And I thought, okay, if I could definitely get this done. And CeeDee Lamb, you know, scored 32 points. But this game was lost the second that Andrew, Andy Dalton, like, didn't just threw two INTs. And, and It was a horrible spot start. And, Will, if you want some perspective, though, in another league, I had also have Kyler Murray, and he was injured this week, so I had to spot start Andy Dalton. And in that league, you, in our league, you only lose points if the player fumbles the ball and the fumble is lost. But in this league, if they fumble the ball, that's negative one point, like even if the fumble is not lost. And Andy Dalton fumbled the ball twice and recovered it, but that was a two-point swing where he scored five points in my league, and those two points would have won that matchup this week. I was playing against the best team in that league, the reigning champion, and just a crazy team. It's like a three-team keeper league. He's, his team's crazy. And yeah, I would have taken a seven-point Andy Dalton game. That would have won it for me. But yeah. um, no, I mean, Will, I I, I, I know that, um, look, Zay Jones, another 10-point game. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I'll just say that that's that's a game that you need to pick up. That's, yeah, that's a game you need to pick Frankie. up. When the history book is written about this year in Tam Champ, Phil City, football history that's that's the game that shows right now where we're not at yeah that that game didn't get finished and it it was a great it's a great um mendoza line here 100 points it's it's what i've said before in the podcast you should never be upset if you lose a game you didn't put up 100 points like i think that should be the expectation and sure enough frankie puts up exactly 100 points um jack do, do you have any thoughts on the future of kill city tam champ do you believe that this team can make a final push? Um, I'm not sure if there's a final push because I'm not sure if he passes um, me, Riley, Anthony, or Adam, personally. Um, I think it's either going to be – I think it's either going to be me, Cammer, Riley. Like, I think those are going to be the two out of the three. Like, one of us three is going to miss the playoffs, most likely, unless, like, you or Joe fall off. Um, but, you know, I mean, you still got to keep trying. That uh, beer 5K is very much looming. And uh, I think we all know how, how it's going to go out for whoever one of us has to chug those warmed-up IPAs. So, like, definitely, I wouldn't lose hope by any means. I think any team in the league, like, any of the 5-5 five and five or 4 and – I don't know. What, what is it? 10? This is week 11. So, yeah, like Riley, Riley, me, and Anthony are all 5-5. Five and five, And then you and uh, Longboy are 4-6. and six. So, like, I think any of us reasonably have a chance. Like, by, by no means is anyone out of the fray. Um, but, you know, the odds are definitely a little harder, <laughs> I have to say. So, you know, just keep that head up, Will. Um, I think Conrad has been saying you've been locked in this year compared to other years. And even uh, listening to – you still had some questions about the waivers, which was, you know, a little concerning. But, you know, besides that, it seems like you've been doing a lot better paying attention. And, uh, you know, just 
hopefully Jack, you'll be able to make the move. Jack, I've, I've lost, I've lost confidence that um, I'm, uh, I'm no longer going to be disappointed how, if if I don't make the playoffs. Is what is what I've come to now after this week. So now I'm playing to avoid the three to five k. That's that's where I'm. Where I'm well, you know, you know, Will, you know what's something that's always fun to do? It's play spoiler. <laughs> like it's always it's always fun to get a late season dub against you know, a top-tier team and move them either out of the playoffs or out of a bye spot. That, to end this on a happy note for Will, because he didn't get to go when he wanted to. Um, Jack, let's address what happened two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, Jack. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> after that game, you sound like a defeated man. You said that you changed your name to Sundays for flower picking. You just, like, you said, Tamki has broken me. <laughs> I'm hearing a lot more um, bravado these days, um, despite uh, continued losing. And, um, you know, uh, Will, yeah, Will, Will hung almost 130 on your head. Um, <laughs> Justin Jefferson does that. He, uh, he turns the skies blue. He makes the flowers grow. This, he, this was, uh, he this, turns that warm IPA into a cold bush light, you know? It's, what, would you, uh, what was your favorite one of the year? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Christian McCaffrey damn near swam for a touchdown, so I wouldn't be, uh, I wouldn't be mad at that. It was such a, it was a fun one to. Well, I mean, I I had to take my depression nap in the afternoon once I saw, and then I woke up to Christian McCaffrey having thirty five. So I was like, yep, that'll do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's one of those games that it doesn't really matter what how. It's kind of like the Tennessee Alabama game where. Look, I know Tennessee lost two weeks later to Georgia, but in like kind of like dumb, like deafening, definite fashion, Georgia was like clearly the better team. But Tennessee fans will always look back on that game and be like, "Wow, that was when we were him. We we had it. That was our." And uh, and they'll always have that. Well, I'll, yeah, that's how I'm gonna look at that game. Stay- you're looking on. You're looking on the golden days, Will. Staying on the topic of Jack losses, Jack. Um, another tough one this week. This week, as you said. You hit your quote-unquote floor. You had a great week. Just a very bad matchup going against – you knew it was going to be a hard week going against uh, Dawson. You didn't really have a chance to put up 140. I mean, Justin Fields had that 70-yard touchdown run. How are you feeling about that game? Uh, I mean, honestly, we're getting to the point in the season, Conrad, where, yes, wins are important. Um, but you're also just looking to score points. So, yeah, like, right. at the end – I honestly disagree with you about, um, like, if you don't put up 100 points or something, then you have no reason to be unhappy about a loss. I honestly can't disagree more. I'm on the opposite coin. It's like, I lost, but I still put up 100. You know, I'm still able to, like, outpace other teams in the in the standings for points scored which honestly I think it's what it's going to come down to like I am after a horrible horrible start uh at the very least mediocre start like just never having any boom weeks I'm just looking to uh you know go on a run if I can hit that floor that I've been talking about I should be able to leapfrog some people in the points for standing so like I think it's just as important to have a good week as it is to win and this season so uh or at this point in the season so i'm not uh terribly worried i think a lot of good things are still on the horizon for my team but you know all i really need to do is make the playoffs um if i can do that then it's really anyone's game 
I mean, that Justin Jefferson game, though, it, it, it's almost like I'm glad that you lost, not the Vikings, because that catch and that performance by Justin Jefferson uh, in that game, that's like a career game. And, um, I mean, yeah, it's it's what kept you competitive, really, in this game. Of course, you had some other good, bright parts, like Jeff Wilson. But, um, I mean, Dawson is just dominating. I mean, in, in, in a week where his – uh, his the two running backs that he started really disappointed. Um, the rest of his team just completely picked it up. Justin Fields, again, a waiver wire pickup that he picked up so he didn't have to look at Tom Brady. 40 points. Stephon Diggs, almost 20 points. Devontae Adams, 23. Aaron Jones, who played at flex, 23 points. So, I mean, this Dawson team, I think, even though I will continue to say that this is probably the first year in memory where there's no far and away best team, um, I, I don't know how you can argue any team. Are you, wait, are you kidding me? I feel like this is one of the years where Dawson has definitely been far and away the best team. No, I. I oh, I, oh, you're talking out your ass. Dawson I, is. Now that Justin Fields has turned into him, it is. I don't know. It, it's his to lose. Like, if, you, if Justin you, Fields could. Jack, 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 you forget that Dawson was ranked 12th to start. He That's was you, ranked 12th you, you, you forget you can You cannot argue that Dawson has been the clear number one team because we literally looked at his team at the beginning of the year and we said this is the worst team by far. Are we – Are we? wait, are we agreeing or disagreeing? I can't – I'm saying he has been by far the best team at, at the very least these past three weeks. No. Okay. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, Dawson has been the best team. Uh, like that was the thing with Dawson's team was he got, he essentially got Etienne for free. He was able to get rid of both Rashad Penny and Michael Thomas, so he didn't have to eat those injuries. So now he can start Miles Sanders. So we already gr- got like two uh, insane trades from that. And I don't think the Josh Jacobs thing, like him getting screwed over, levels that out at all. So he really has no weaknesses on his team. And then. Obviously, the Kyler trade happened, so then I was like, "Oh, thank God!" Now he has to start Tom Brady. Like, oh, yes, he he'll get like ten points a week just from him or something because Brady has been just so terrible fantasy wise this year. But now with Justin Fields, like his sky, the the ceiling is just so insane for his team at this point. So it's definitely something I'm watching going forward. And um, Jack, you know, the the guest we should have had on this week before Will thankfully stepped in um, was, was, was Tommy. And Tommy could have celebrated a, a win here on this pod. He had a, you know, one of those just dangerous Bofa Ligum spoiler weeks that we, I think everyone in the league agrees now. I mean, I'm sure that everyone in the league agrees now because after that whole lottery we had yesterday about who's going to play who and if you play Declan or Tommy, everyone mm-hmm. was begging not to play Tommy. Even Telford. When he got set up initially to play Tommy, he was freaking out. He, he, <laughs> you know, sense that Tommy is just not a team you want to play, which is almost you. You never say that about a three and seven team that's you know that is has a very good chance of playing in the Sacco. I mean, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to look at who he's playing for the rest of the season. I was able to beat him last week, but I think that was because of more luck on my part. Like he just didn't have he had like an off week. Plus, I had a, like I had a pretty decent one. Um, but I'm going to move on if you want. You know, we mean, can we can go to the Bofaligum game if you want. That's what, that's what I'm saying. He he, Tommy is honestly a I I don't see a serious weakness with this team. I mean, it's, he's not building for any championship run or anything like that. But um, I mean, he even he he had to do it to Adam with that like 20 point Joey Sly game. So <laughs> a little inflated this week. He actually didn't have a particularly remarkable week, but. 
I mean, a big part of that was Burrow being on by, Ramondre Stevenson being on by. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I think that um, we have seen enough from Tommy where if you ask someone who knows nothing about the league but knows a lot about fantasy to look at each roster without any context, they would probably they would probably say Tommy is a top three roster, if not top five at least. I mean. He's, his team continues to be – it's not just expectations, right? His team has actually just done really well this year. And – sorry, his players have done really well this year. The team has not done really well this year. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I mean well, – no, not, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> the monitor, watch him play spoiler. Um, looking at Adam's team, though, um, it's interesting because he – I mean, I think Christian Kirk is kind of fraudulent, and yet he got he he kind of boosted Adam's numbers this week. Is is Kenneth Walker just not really the guy we thought he was, or is he just not getting good luck right now? I mean, I'm gonna say his tape has been great, but I like the Bucks are a bad matchup. You know, like hey, they were playing down, so they were gonna chuck it more, like the Seahawks. B, you got Vita Vea stuff in the front, so it's like expectations were meant to be tempered they always should have been this week i still think kenneth walker is a good player if i'm adam he is far and away my keeper um i mean the tape speaks for itself like he is a great runner um, we knew you, you had we knew this walker game that What's was, up? That was the, the low of last year for michigan was the kenneth walker game um oh it was beautiful i actually watched that one and i don't really watch a lot of college football especially not last year Oh my God, Kenneth Walker just messed Michigan up. It was a one-man parade the entire game. I'm surprised he wasn't drafted higher, and I know he was a second rounder. Like he, I, I thought. I mean, I didn't see Brees Hall play in college, so I can't really speak to that. But I thought Kenneth Walker was like so insane. You were at a military. I was. I was. I didn't have no idea what you're talking about because I. Well, story for another time, but I was helping a friend. Oh, I was like, you are you here for another game? Yeah. No. Uh, a fellow Will. <laughs> a Will and me. I, I, I listen to that game on the radio. I totally, yeah. Anyway, okay, so that's, uh, yeah, it's uh, not, a good, <laughs> not a good time. Um, so you were helping a friend and you were listening on a rip. Thank you, Will. <laughs> uh, I mean, I I generally think that Adam's team is, is a talented team that I think is going to um, just barely missed the playoffs. We talked about this last week. Um, I think I think Adams' team. I mean, look, they've lost three games in a row. It's very easy to just pile on when that happens. Um, I, I, but again, I think it's really proven that Mark Andrews was kind of the key to his early success. It was the key to his high projections. I, I, I think that everyone acted like that Jamar Chase and Kenneth Walker trade was such a slam dunk. Um, but you know. Eckler is a top talent, and right now Adam's kind of a – he's a team that doesn't have a him. Um, I think Hopkins mm-hmm. in real life. But, um, yeah, I, I think Jamar Chase just, you know, we don't know when he'll come back from injury. We don't know if he'll, if he'll, if he'll be playing like it. So just just an unfortunate case of, of bad luck where you now have him having to start um, Gallup in his flex. Which is just I do, I do remember – yeah, that's – I mean, there's just no depth to Adam's team right now. But I, I do remember that Kenneth, our conversation about how Kenneth Walker should not be your RB1. He should be your RB3. Like, that's what he should be, you know? 
giving up Eckler hurts. Like, I know it's unfortunate that Jamar got injured, but he should be coming back, not this week, but week 12. So maybe that'll help. Um, I mean, I'm thinking it will, obviously. It might be too old to wait. I mean, by the time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Adam could be four and eight, like, honestly. So. Yeah, so it's, there's a lot of stuff to be done. If I'm Adam, I would definitely be looking. I don't think, Adam's a very uh, traditionalist man. I don't see him as a high trader, Uh, at least towards me. He was not, he was not biting on anything I was selling. Um. He, he, re- he, guys like Will does. he he's he calls guys untouchable he's he doesn't respond to your texts when you try to i know i know at least tommy like he he seeks people out when he wants a trade done and he will make that trade happen um <laughs> whether or not he's able to be one up is like a whole different story but um yeah it's uh are we it's the old guard of adam of Adam Kissler uh, affecting. As Kissler's losing streak continued, the league's longest losing streak was snapped this week. The Martin City Gobbagools, who, as we know, as we've mentioned many times on this podcast, had not lost the game since, like, November of 2021, and then went on to win the championship, had a late run in the season, started the year 4-0. They proceeded to lose five games in a row, and, I mean, look, there was no reason to believe that they were going to win they were gonna. They weren't gonna lose their sixth game in a row. They were going against Telford, who at the moment was sitting at the top of the league. Actually, I think Dawson was, but Telford has had perennially been at the top. He was, you know, still hot coming off a loss because of a bye week, generally on a seven game win streak. Um, and you know, Cambo Cambo got the job done. It was it was definitely not a pretty win. Uh, I'm a little concerned about Kamara as a Kamara truther. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't think I would be because everyone says I pulled off such a good trade for him. Um, but I really do believe in Alvin Kamara. I think that his, you know, this is someone you're looking at his his um, his playoffs going against the Falcons and the Browns defense in the playoffs. He's someone that you're really hoping that you can be, he can get you to the playoffs and then it can win you some playoff games. Um, but yeah, I mean, Congratulations to Campbell on being able to pull this out. I think he's just going to have to piece together and just be happy he makes it to the playoffs. Because honestly, once Jamar Chase comes back, T. Higgins is going to lose that value again. Gabe Davis is going to be too inconsistent. Jamal Williams is going to have lost touches to DeAndre Swift. Uh, and there's really no no depth here at all. Um, of course, as we all knew, when, when Brees Hall went down, um, Campbell very much was working a full battle. And... There really hasn't been any recovery. Uh, I, I think this is a team that any team would love to play in the playoffs. Um, and I think that, um, yeah, it's 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 just the, – the, the way it's not pretty. But this was a good week for him. He took down Telford. Um, Telford, a team that, you know, kind of is starting to scramble now. Now Cooper mm-hmm. is out for – he's on IR. He's out for at least four weeks. I will say Cooper Cup is probably done for the season. Like maybe if the Rams were in playoff contention, but they're like far from it at this point. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's done. You would they just shut that, him down. You would think that attaching the top wide receiver to a the reigning Super Bowl champion would be a great spell for fantasy success, but the Rams just did not figure it out this year. Tony Pollard also is about to lose a ton of value. I mean, pretty much all his value when um, Zeke comes back unless Zeke is injured again. Mm-hmm. Um, George mm-hmm. proving time and time again that he's just really barely even startable anymore in fantasy. He had one catch 
So yeah, I think I, and you know, Gino Smith, there's no reason not to believe in Gino Smith, but I I think he's kind of leveled out a bit from being able to put up like 30 points and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, of course, concerns with Leonard Fournette, who was missing late game touches from Rashad White. Um, This is a team that's in trouble. I don't think this is a top five roster. Um, And there's been times where it was hard to find a weakness in the team. And it's crazy how quickly weaknesses emerge in a team. I know. I mean, it, it really just shows. It really goes to show us just how much, how important depth is. I mean, that Cooper Cup, like, obviously, is an incredibly unfortunate having a top four wide receiver in the league be out. But oh god, and he was having a great season too. It's not like he wasn't performing at his ADP, but you know, uh, Wolford threw a hospital pass, and then it was game over. Telford projected to score 86 points this week. Oh, God. And Kara, Kara, do we need to start talking about a Telford team that doesn't make the playoffs? I mean, that would be that would be pretty incredible. Doesn't he have a million wins? What, yeah, what I mean, about? He, he's seven and he, – what, he's seven and two? No, he's seven and three now, right? He's only lost three times. Yeah, My he, God, well, he, I wish. He, he was seven and I think it's – I think it's very. I'm two. Wi- I am not even in the playoffs right now, and I'm only two wins behind him. It's very. It is a likely scenario. It's, it's a huge. It's not the most likely, but it is a scenario in which Telford does not make the playoffs and has a historic crumble. He's built a huge cushion with wins and with points scored, and he's also a very savvy owner. I think he'll do enough to make the playoffs, but yeah, I think Telford is in a free fall right now. I think uh, I think he'll make the playoffs. I'll put money on that right now, but I think that he uh... water bet Jack versus Will. Wait, but oh no! I mean, I think he will make the playoffs. I'm just saying, like, as someone who oh, honestly, like, a week ago we would have all said, like, oh yeah, of course he's probably like the favorite. Now it's like it's weird to think that there is a scenario in which he does not make the playoffs, especially like he's playing me uh, soon ish. Uh, two weeks, three weeks. I don't know. Um, he's playing me before the end of the season, regardless. So, I'm a playoff team, or at least a potential playoff team. So, like, he could lose to me. There's a lot of potential for a lot of movement in these last four weeks, especially with just like how much uh injuries he's been having. We'll have to play against Joe, Adam, Tamke, and Jack to end the season. Oh, that's so. a wor- that's a worse one than I have, Conrad. That is a, that is a hard schedule. Especially if, if Will got that dog in him by that point. I know, I know. If Will, if Will starts uh, Instagram DMing Christian McCaffrey photos of his home address. <laughs> <laughs> but congratulations to Campbell on snapping that losing streak. Um, to our penultimate game. Um, oh, no, actually, uh, okay, to our final game now. We had uh, Metcalf going against Joe. Um, Joe was a team that, you know, Jack was gassing up a lot when Joe was on the pod last week. Joe, Jack was calling Joe the team that's going to get a bye week. Jack was having this fantasy scenario where he plays me in the first round and he beats me. <laughs> fantasy, I guess. Conrad, um, last week or last year, you got a bye, and I ended up beating you yeah. after it said bye. Uh, so that, say, is it almost a sweeter story to lose immediately after the bye? Many are saying that my my team did that just so you could lose in the championship for th- third year in a row. Um, the uh, <laughs> the I, uh, did, I did make uh, you know I did uh, I did do that, but you know many better, are saying better to make it than lose than to never have make it at all. 
but but look, uh, Joe's Joe's team is one that has. I think you could argue that Joe is starting to enjoy a very high floor. Um, I think we might have seen it this week, even. Um, I mean, he had a few key guys on by, a few key guys injured. He's got Hollywood Brown coming back. Um, he, I mean, Donovan People Jones, I guess, had a big game for him, so maybe that was some luck. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, honestly, like Austin Eckler didn't get in the end zone. Um, Jalen Hurts did, had the game that they lost. Somehow they got destroyed by the commies. Yeah, um, just disgusting. Just, just I hard to explain other than just that. That that that, that fumble was crazy. Imagine. That Quez Watkins one, actually insane. Um. So yeah, I mean. Joe, I think, is a team that um, I think will go into the playoffs with rolling off some wins. I think he's going to be probably competing for one of those buy spots. I don't think he'll get it. But, yeah, definitely not not a team you want to play right now. But he fell to Metcalf country. Let's ride. Metcalf in a week that he just – he had to have it. He was was trying to build a win streak to kind of catch fire. How many years do we have Metcalf? where his team maybe has a hot streak and they just get so cold and they just finish as the eight seed or the nine seed so many times. Metcalf, a, a statement win against Joe, who, again, one of the teams you don't want to play right now. And and he, he did it in a big way. I, I think I continue to believe that Mahomes and Derrick Henry can win any week against any team. And Derrick Henry didn't even have a good game. It was Deontay Foreman, a.k.a. not Chuba Hubbard, who had one- <laughs> Four points. Congratulations, Metcalf. Um, and that was that. That was kind of the story of this game. It was. It was. Uh, you know, one of the best. One of the arguably the second best waiver pickup this year behind uh, Justin Fields. Um, Deontay Foreman having a huge game. Um, you, the rest of his stars didn't really show up. Dalton Schultz. I'll say this. Tommy dropped Dal- Dalton Schultz. I picked up Dalton Schultz, and then I didn't need him anymore after I got Kelsey. So that's also a waiver pickup. Uh, Metcalf performing a lot with, with uh, you know, other people's trash right now. Yeah, I, uh, I'm never mad to see Metcalf winning. He's, he's my good time boy, my rotten soldier, my sweet cheese. He is a uh, – you know, I'm never, uh, never upset even if I end up getting edged out by him in the playoffs. It's, um, it's a great thing to see. I know he's had – some very rough years in the league. He's a longtime member, but a perennial mid-tier team. I think he's been to the – I think he's – I mean, I'd have to go and check. But yeah, he's, I, mean, I think he has one playoff loss. Yes, he has one playoff appearance, and he's 0-1 in the playoffs. Oh, God. It's right. kind of sad. Yeah, it's – it's uh, you know, it's not a great thing to be seeing. Um, but – you know, never been in the Sacco except for the Math Hub year, which we, yeah, <laughs> which is probably it. the most iconic one. <laughs> and, and I will say he lost it to Massman, which thank God. Do we think Massman was going to wear that Math Hub shirt? Do we yeah, think we're yeah. going to go to social events with Massman there? Um, this, this, this definitely. <laughs> I was. I have never been happier about someone losing to Sacco than Mecca. I remember I was actually. <laughs> I was at uh, a Chiefs game when that happened, and Metcalf. I remember like kind of had it in the bag. And then, like, like his quarterback got, like, six points or something, and Massman had, like, some random flex player that popped off. And then it came down to, like, Massman's kicker got, like, ten points in one, and we were, we were just so happy. 
Uh, and yeah, I mean, that really became one of the symbols of this league, I think. One of the enduring symbols is Metcalf wearing that Math Hub sweatshirt uh, on the Brookside soccer field. I know. If I, <laughs> if I believe, it's still his uh, group me profile photo, and I hope it never changes. We're doing a charity event. <laughs> I guess it would have been too early in the year for 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 Brookside, but anyway, this yeah, one I mean, is Mr. Leroy. <laughs> I, think, I think Metcalf has has all of our has all of our support right now. Um, I he was my pick to sneak into the playoffs. I still think that's going to happen. Um, and yeah, it, it, actually, I I think you might see a rematch between um, Metcalf and Joe in the playoffs in the first round. Or maybe Metcalf versus Telford, in which um, I would probably favor Metcalf at this point in that game. Um, oh, big so time. That was the week. Again, the the trade deadline's approaching. Um, but, uh, you know, still some time to kind of think about it, let, let boys fester, make some moves. Um, but we're going to end the football talk for now because um, we, had a, we, had, we had an important week for, for America this week. And uh, we with with uh with my, my, my fellow DC boy on we we love to discuss the midterms, Jack, if you if you will. Yeah, um as someone who did didn't not vote. yeah, who didn't vote. Well, you know why I didn't vote. I didn't wanna give up my registration in Missouri, but it costs like over fifty dollars to vote because of absentee ballots. Since when does it cost fifty dollars to file an absentee ballot? It's not the filing of it. It's that you have to get it notarized. So I have to walk my ass down to like the DMV and it's so expensive. If you want to vote absentee in Missouri, you have to get notarized. Yes, I, I you have to find a notary and get them. To- yeah. It's like, yeah. It's, it's, like Campbell would like drive to Missouri from Arkansas to vote. It's actually, it's actually crazy. You know, that's, that's a good point, Jack. I think you should have given up your Missouri registration, though. I know. I I just I thought about it too late. By the time it came around, um, honestly, I've been living here long enough that I should just start voting in Louisiana. But whatever. Nevertheless, congratulations uh, on marijuana being fully legalized in Missouri. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, that was nice. It's it's good to see Missouri, Missouri, which has really fallen to um, the right since 2016 um, when we lost Claire McCaskill. Um, no, sorry, 2018. Um, and Jason Kanner narrowly lost in 2016. Um, and then he pulled out of one of the races, I remember. The, the, the mayoral race. Um, yeah, no. Uh, Wait, he was running for mayor? Yeah, he was. That was, like, supposed to be, like, his... Because, like, everyone... He lost uh, by, like... He lost by, like, 6,000 votes to sitting Senator Roy Blunt. And oh, um, yeah. everyone was really excited about him. So he's gonna How do you all like uh, Quentin Lucas? I think he's great. I think he's he's what you want out of a mayor. He's a big yeah. personality, but really like super humble too, and yeah. like a big, a big, uh, yeah, big for I the think, culture. I think he's got. I think he's gonna be an active player in the future. Uh, yeah. yeah, I, I agree. Think, I think I think, I think there's a very likely chance that he, at some point in the future, throws his hat in the presidential bid ring, or at least like gets talked about to be a VP for, like, a more centrist candidate. I, it would take can, a few national... I think he can run for governor. I think he can win governor. That, that'd so, be good. So long as he... Uh, yeah. I think it would be, like, it would be in a while, especially with, like, how it would play out. If, uh, if Quentin Lucas has to get out of the mayoral role in Kansas City, I think he could win in Missouri as a... Democrat that is in the center. If if Louisiana can send consistently John Bell Edwards into the governor's office, I think Quinn Lucas can do it. I think if Kansas can send a, a a Democrat into the governor's office, he can do it. 
So after that, I think then he's a serious presidential candidate. I mean, part of the reason why I feel so disconnected from Missouri politics is because the clowns that always represent us are from Columbia or Springfield or St. Louis. Where where's the KC representation? I would I would love to see that. I I fully see the vision. Although I will say, last thing on Missouri and Quinn Lucas, um, Kansas City's in a very exciting time right now. Um, we are about to usher in the new airport, and the Royals are moving the ballpark downtown. And it's there's there's a lot of electricity. We're going to be hosting the World Cup in 2028. So I think I think this is a great time for him to raise his platform, but also to kind of be one of those guys that usher in this new era. And yeah, mm-hmm. Kansas City are term limited to two consecutive terms of four years. Conrad, can I do a little shout out real quick? For sure. I got two shout outs. First of all, unrelated. I meant to do this earlier. Metcalf is currently 11 and 0 on kicker bets in the uh, side group chat. So I just wanted to throw that, throw some love there. I know you guys aren't as connected to the gambling sphere of the fantasy football group chat, but it's awesome to see. Second of all, um, my dad, Mark, <clears throat> Mark Joseph Spencer, is currently the curator for Kansas City's. Kansas City Airport, the new Kansas City Airport's um, art. So that's what he's been doing. He he commutes commutes up north every day. Wow. Finally, it sounds like the Northland boys are starting to take their dubs. (laughs) They're starting to notice their dubs. That's awesome to hear, Jack. Honestly, honestly, as as the boy that we would drive up north uh, a little further than the Northland with, um, it's glad (laughs) to hear that. The boys taking dubs. I mean, it does sound like one of those things where it's like the where it's like, oh, do you know my dad built the the bridge? But <laughs> <laughs> I think we're a little old for that. So I, 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 I that's, that's 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 awesome. Um, but okay, moving on to, to the national sphere though. Um, the 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 U.S. Senate. This was it was what what if you really did a deep dive into it, you had to know that they Republicans elected some crazy guy. <laughs> their their candidate for U.S. Senate, especially <laughs> namely Lake Masters in Arizona, um, Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania, oh, God. Um, Amy Vance in Ohio, who did win, actually, and um, uh, Herschel Walker. Uh, so, I mean, we can, we can talk football. Herschel, Herschel fake cop Walker. Herschel Walker in, in Georgia. And, you know, this is – there's so much to be taken from this. But, I mean, the first thing you have to say is that in a year where um, it probably will end up that the national vote, more people voted Republican than Democrat, uh, Joe Biden with an approval rating pretty consistently under 40%. And with, um, you know, the general indicators of a red wave, uh, such as high gas prices and inflation, um, you know, it was, it was, I don't even think you can call it a red ripple. I mean, they, it looks like they, uh, we'll get to the house in a second, but it looks like they um, might gain maybe 10 seats in the house, definitely enough to take control, which was just called today. Yeah, I was about to say, I've heard they called it. I think you can comfortably, I think you can sleep comfortably at night. Knowing that Raphael Warnock is going to win that runoff in the Senate against Herschel. Did they not call it? No, they're they're doing a runoff because Georgia rules. It's like a Jim Crow holdover, but Georgia rules are that you have to get at least fifty percent of the votes to win. So it's going to be a one on one between Warnock and Walker in December sixth. So, so does everyone have to vote again? Yes, everyone has to vote again. Which is it's so there's a lot that goes into that, right? It's like how do you motivate people to vote? Um, this happened two years ago with both Georgia races. And Democrats were at 48 seats and Republicans were at 50. And Democrats had already won the presidency. 
So the really easy way to motivate voters was, hey, if you go out and vote for John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock, then we will have the Senate. Like, Georgia decides who controls the Senate. And I think that was the main reason that they were able to pull that out. This time, though, Warnock is an incumbent. I know he's a very popular incumbent. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is running against a person that is not taken very seriously. <laughs> Probably he deserving is crazy. He is it's insane. Um, so, yeah, I think, I, think you can feel, I think we can safely say that we're, we have gained a senator in the U.S. Senate for the Democrats. They're at 51 now. We'll see what they can do with that. But um, definitely outside of that, biggest story, guys, uh, they flipped Pennsylvania, and John Fetterman is the most, he's the most recent senator. How, how are we feeling about Senator Fetterman for the next six years? You know, I, I'll admit that I don't know a whole lot about what he believes in or what he thinks about things. Well, Conrad, Conrad, may I? Yeah, sure. Jack is a $5 donor to John Fetterman. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba, 15. Uh, I thought he had a really cool vibe. And, you know, a big reason of why yes. I'm still Only such... The best reason to vote for somebody is because you thought they had a very, very good vibe. I think, yeah. I think at the end of the day, that's what a lot of voters will vote on. Um I think something that's key to look at for him, and it's why I am such a huge Bernie supporter still to this day, is he hasn't flipped, man. Like he's been on he's been on his grind for so long. Like he hasn't like supported gay rights or like more of <clears throat> like left leaning policies just because that just because the majority now saw it. Like he was going against what was the status quo at the time. So I think I respect that a lot. And, you know, he just, he really spoke to me. I thought he had a nice website. <laughs> I actually, I looked at uh, Dr. Oz's website compared with him. And I was like, this is crazy. Not that I was going to vote for Dr. Oz by any means, but I was just like, this is insane. His- I was seriously considering... Dr. Oz. No, 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 no. I was never going to donate to Dr. Oz. I just thought it would be interesting to compare the two. What website is he going to decide it for? I would, I would call Jack the median voter, but he didn't vote. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, as I mentioned, um, Republicans did take the House. Um, we're still waiting to see how big the majority is. Uh, as of now, AP has said they have won 218 seats, which is exactly how many you need to take the House. And Democrats are favored to win a lot of the remaining seats. Dems right now are sitting at 211. Um, uh, sorry. Yeah, no. 211 seats. So with only six races left to be called, um, <laughs> if the Republicans have a one or two seat majority in the House, I mean, I, Jack, as someone who doesn't follow politics, especially the horse race aspect of this stuff kind of as closely, I want you to know that. Oh, definitely not the horse race aspect. Listen, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Just in these two years, we had two U.S. congressmen die of COVID. We had uh, was it Herman Cain? We had no, he wasn't a congressman. We had four <laughs> of them need to abruptly retire for various reasons. One just you know died in a car crash because that's just kind of what happens. There, it's four hundred and thirty-five people. There's there's a lot that's going on. So if the Republicans, I mean these special elections, that's what that's what they you call it when someone needs to resign abruptly and you need to replace the representation with a new person. Um, <laughs> if the Republicans get a, I, I no, I do think Lauren Boebert's seat hasn't been called yet. I think she's going to win that. But if they only win 219 or 220 votes, 
you might see every single little thing matter. So, I mean, they're going to have to ban dying. They're going to have to ban. Um, <laughs> they're just going to have to like stick it out. And it's, it's, it's funny because that's um, other than the Supreme court, which is also very significant. That's really Republicans only foot now in the door of federal power. So they're going to have to, yeah, it's going to be very narrow. And, and also several Republicans have said they will not vote for Kevin McCarthy to be the house speaker. So they Ooh. might not have the votes and they might, you know, technically you don't have to be in the house to be the speaker. So maybe Trump will be the speaker. Maybe. <laughs> Wait, you speaker. don't have to be in the house to be the speaker. You don't have Wait, to be in the really? House. Many. And you also don't have to be a citizen of the United Kingdom to be a prime minister. So if oh. return Boris Johnson's U S citizenship Boris <laughs> and Trump can become the prime minister of the UK. Um, <laughs> Boris goes from town to town collecting patrons from local pubs. <laughs> <laughs> he heard the rallying call. Uh, <sighs> okay, looking at these things from 100 feet out now. Uh, oh, and also, by the way, shout out Laura Kelly. Kansas stays a blue state. Looking at these 100 Wait, feet Kansas out. Kansas is blue? Wait, what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um,. Before we get into what this means for 2024, Will, I'd, I'd love for you to share what you, what your biggest takeaway was from from these results in 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 how Democrats were able to defy gravity. Yeah, um, uh, I think I think it just it it, it showed that um, a lot of Americans are maybe not as interested in the things that were previously thought that they were interested in, um, and candidate quality matters, I think it... Conspiracy it, theorists. Well, yeah, so, like, it, I think... It, <laughs> I, I would just say that I think there was, a, there was a point where it could totally be possible that it's like, okay, you have uh, a lot of people who weren't, who were just objectively had a lot of, I think, anti-democratic, um, like a small d there, anti-democratic, like, leanings and um i think a lot of americans maybe saw that and said i i think i'm gonna value um i'm valuing that aspect of our american democracy a lot um and i, I don't want to i i don't want to sacrifice that I, I i feel that's even more important and i think that's i think that's that's been that's been nice that's been good to, to see yeah i, I uh, um i recently well i guess conrad you start well, um, I, I, we, we've had a chance to kind of unpack these thoughts a lot. And, um, you know, it, I had the chance to talk to Campbell on the phone about this day after, you know. Campbell's always, always driving back from Arkansas. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, really, the, what, what I keep coming back to is just um, how, like, I, I truly believe that, you might have just seen a shift in our understanding of politics in general now. Um, I think for two reasons. The first, which Will touched on, is that the Republican Party is right now being led by a group of people that is just unacceptable to too many Americans for them to be able to just, just okay, well, I don't like the Democrats and they're in office, so I'm just going to vote Republican. Kind of. <laughs> also, here's an interesting thought. Um, the The... The standard logic is that Republicans will always, no matter no matter who is in office, 
Republicans will always have an unfair advantage in the midterms because Republican voters, people that tend to vote Republican, show up better at the polls than people that tend to vote Democratic. And in midterm elections, there's always less turnout because, you know, there's just less people that are interested in this. But the defining shift so far of our lifetimes politically has been the educational sorting where, you, you know, like if in, in 2016, the, the reason the polls were so wrong more than anything else, especially, and again, by the way, the polls were not that off nationally at least, but statewide, they were very much off in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Um, the reason they were so off was because the polls, so when you, when you, if you don't know, when you poll a population, obviously, um, you're trying to encapsulate like a population of like 6 million citizens and you're not going to interview 6 million people. So you're interviewing 600 people and you weight them based on the demographics of likely voters. So you factor in, um, you know, you, you're thinking about their income level and their race or ethnicity and their gender and their age, and you're waiting them like, okay, I had, I only had one respondent that was 40 years old, um, but I, I know that like, it was in the 40 to 50 range, but I know that like at least 10% of likely voting populations in the 40 to 50 range. So I'm going to weight that response more. What wasn't weighted was education because education just wasn't considered a significant factor for how you were, you're going to vote yeah. for, for the longest time. Because, you know, there are plenty of suburban wealthy people or middle class people or whatever that voted Republican. There were plenty of, uh, you know, like suburban wealthy middle class people that voted Democratic too that, and that were college educated. But now there's been such a serious sorting, especially in the age of Trump of people now that college-educated voters are not voting, uh, have, have just completely pushed away from the Republican Party, and non-college-educated voters have really gravitated towards it at the same time. And the result is the likely midterm pool of people that vote now actually might start leaning Democratic. The, we haven't, the only two midterms we've seen since the shift have happened is 2018 and 2022. And 2018 was obviously a good year for Democrats because everyone was expecting a blue wave. It was a good year. But this year, I mean, it, show me counter evidence that doesn't indicate that this year is a clear example that just how people are now, the wealthier, middle class, suburban type voters, they have the college education. They are showing up to the polls more often. They always have showed up to the polls more often. And now they're voting Democratic. I think. Do, do we have a. Uh, uh... In addition to that, the national uh, house vote, because uh, I know due to uh, oh, like broken down by demographics. Well, no, no, just broken down by straight who voted for Republican, yeah. who voted for Cur Currently, there California is the reason why it's kind of skewed because okay. they count votes so slowly and it's such a democratic state. But right now, um, three million more people have voted Republican than voted Democratic in the entire country. In the entire country. Okay. But by the end of the counting, it might be less than a million. It probably will be less than a million. California is so slow. Okay. Anyway, Jack, any 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 wide view on this election on, on what on what this on what this said about to you? Um, I thought it was interesting that it was the first time in like what two years that might have been more that there wasn't complete control of either or. Um, so you know, I'm not really sure what that means for us. Does that just mean there's a bunch of gridlock? Like if are you saying where one party controls the house and one controls the senate? Yeah, or just like the executive or like the uh, presidency as well. Yeah, so so interestingly, every president since I think Bill Clinton, but maybe since George Bush, 
when they won the presidency, they actually had the trifecta. Uh, they came in with uh, a Senate and a House in favor of them. And then all of them, um, except for George Bush, within their first two years, lost that trifecta in the House. Um, so this is actually pretty standard what happened as far as the split goes. Um, so it is interesting. I mean, what this forced Obama to do once he lost the Senate, especially in 2014, was just to do a bunch of executive orders. And um, Democrats will have more power now in the Senate um, that I think actually the fact that Republicans have such an uncivil majority in the House is actually very important to being able to get stuff done. Um, that might shift before there's another election. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm always like, I try to stay updated on this kind of stuff. Um, but honestly, it's not like, I mean, I obviously know it's like more than a hobby for both of you guys. Like you guys are both very involved in it. So I'm trying to make it like, be more of a mindset. But like, you know, it's, it's, it's very interesting to me. Um, I, I care a decent amount you know um i didn't vote this year but uh i voted in the presidential election for biden so and i (laughs) queen of england space commander u.s president (laughs) i wrote in kanye actually Uh, Um, so so i I, our our last thoughts on this we want to look at the 2024 um jack uh i know you wanted to talk about trump announcing last night yeah, uh, it's crazy. I actually do have a lot of thoughts about this. Okay. Uh, Why don't you yeah. go first? So, first of all, um, but I was reading about, I was watching the, um, I don't, it's not a documentary, the interview that uh, someone on ABC did uh, with Pence, and it was like the first time talking about all of that. Yeah. And it was like, it was pretty much just like Pence being an idiot. I mean, not being an idiot, it was him, like, well, he was being an idiot, but it was him, like, backtracking through a lot of it, even though there's, like, him giving speeches is, like, we will look at election fraud, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, he was encouraging it enough, but then there came a point where it was, like, oh, yeah, no, this this won't go well for me. I got to just, like, back down if I, like, try to interfere with this. Um, What's up? I said, I said, yeah, he finally did back down when his life was being threatened by Trump and Trump was just tweeting at him that he was a coward. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it was just, it's actually insanity. So that's like now if I'm assuming everyone knows um, Trump officially announced his 2024 election bid. Oh my God, the Republicans are so screwed. Like <laughs> I have some questions for y'all uh, mainly before I'll just give my piece. Um <laughs> Holy shit, this is going to make us like even more divisive, even more like split as a country. It's going to just like get these crazies even more like deep in their conspiratorial rabbit hole. I think he's going to lose, especially after January 6th, he has lost any sort of moderate support, like any sort of oh, centrist. Oh, um, of, of any independent goodwill of people that don't identify as Republicans. I think I have talked – I've had enough anecdotal conversations with especially like Gen Xers mm-hmm. um, that are – which actually Gen Xers are the most Republican voting age group in America. They're more Republican voting than sound generation and more than boomers. Um, I've talked to enough Gen Xers who voted for Trump twice and who were fully identified as Republican that said that the January 6th riots completely turned them off Trump. 
that I I truly do believe that if DeSantis wants to run, it would be an extremely there would be so and the, the media, the conservative media wants DeSantis so bad. There it would be it would be such a serious challenge that I mean I would love to see it. It would be a very serious challenge. Um, the one thing that's stopping me though from just being like, oh yeah, it's DeSantis if he wants it. For me, it's why I continue to tell people is that DeSantis' entire political career, well, at least becoming the governor, was built on being the Trump candidate. He was literally, Trump's right when he says he was at mm-hmm. one in the polls before Trump stepped in and endorsed him in that race. He ended up winning by less than 2,000 votes in the governor race. He was always kind of seen as a polarizing figure. Now he's very popular in Florida. By the way, Florida and New York were really the only two states where a red wave truly did happen this year. Um, anyway, um, I, I think I think it would be very difficult, just like all those other Republican candidates dropped in 2016, I think it would be very difficult for DeSantis to go on a debate stage against Trump multiple times and have to deal with Trump attacking him constantly and trying to toe the line. Because I will say, on election night, they polled Republican voters. They said, what is your approval of the Republican Party? And they said 89%. They said, what is your approval of Donald Trump? And they said 89% approved of him. So oh. Trump... I, I truly believe we we t- Hillary called it the basket of deplorables. Some people called it, uh, you know, the the immovable base. That immovable base, I think, makes up half of Republican voters right now, at least. And I think that there's a huge overlap between those people and people that love DeSantis. Mm-hmm. Like, I think if this, if look, I think if Trump drops out and says DeSantis is my full support. I think the Republican Party is very dangerous. I think that it's almost impossible to stop that if we run Biden again, especially. Um, oh, God. I, he, has Biden announced a 2024 presidential bid? He hasn't announced it, but he has told a lot of – he's done what I think he's supposed to do so far where he's indicated, fully indicated that he will run again. But I – because I, I don't think you can be showing weakness right now if you're actually still considering it. But I would love him to step away. Anyway, to finish up. To finish my, I think that, I think that this base, when they got to choose between Trump and anyone else, even literally the ideal Trump adjacent candidate, once Trump starts campaigning against him, it's it, they're still going to choose Trump, and Trump's still going to win. That's my opinion. Um, you so Conrad, let's say that Donald Trump managed to get the GOP support, like the nomination. And, yeah, and he gets the nomination. Do you think that he has a chance at winning? No. I, yeah. I honestly think Democrats could run their most unelectable likely person, which would be Kamala Harris, and she would still be Trump. I think among, among the Democrats and Republicans, if you want to list like each of their 10 most likely candidates to run for president, I think Trump is the most unelectable in a general election. I, I truly believe that. I mean, just look at the midterms. People – People were voting for Trump-adjacent people in an environment that was completely tilted against Democrats. And, like, yeah. the, the, the math just isn't there. Trump is Trump is not going to be able to win so many of these states. It, 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 wouldn't, it wouldn't be a real competition. It would be another horrible election cycle of a lot of insults, and the media would probably scare us with some polls, but it, it wouldn't be a close election. You could run anyone against Trump, and Trump would lose. So, Con- yeah. Con- Conrad. Real quick, who would you say is the most electable Democrat right now? Well, I'm glad you asked, Jack. 
Now, in in in, in, this, in, in this apartment, we're, we're always looking to the future, and and we are we are trying to scope out. Okay, if by should Biden be willing to step away? Because by the way, let me just say this: as much as we don't like it, if Biden says he wants to run again, he's not going to face any serious competition, and he's going to be the nominee. But oh, it'd be so but, bad. He's so oh god, he's so stupid. Should he do the right thing? Hey, don't talk about Brandon like that. Should he do <laughs> the right thing and use somehow use the moment? He would surrender the incumbency advantage, which is huge. But still, surrender the moment and say, I will have my full support by whoever wins the nomination. I think the two names that we're really liking here is Raphael Warnock and Gretchen Whitmer. Um, I, I think Will is in agreement. I mean, unless you have someone now. The, 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 for the last two years, we've all been talking about uh, who could it be, and it's really like the only options were like Kamala Harris or like I guess Pete Buttigieg and stuff like that. Yeah, oh, sure. God, I, I do not like Pete. Like, like Pete's Pete's like fine. Like, I think I, I don't know, but like, like there was nothing exciting about those. I would be very excited about either of those candidacies, and I would particularly Raphael Warnock. I think Gretchen Warmer actually will have more to run on because she just won a trifecta in Michigan. Michigan was like gone to the Republicans for a while, even when they still were a Democratic state. The gerrymandering at the House districts were crazy. It's like Wisconsin is right now. And um, the Gretchen Whitmer now has a trifecta. She, she can do the DeSantis in Michigan right now. She can run her little liberal fiefdom in a swing state. And <laughs> people, I, I, I strongly believe that Gretchen would carry Michigan, which is cannot be understated how important that would be in an election. I think that she's like the ideal running a Midwest person. But as far as like who I want to be the leader of the Democratic ticket, Raphael Warnock. Give give his speeches a listen. Give his give his profile a listen. I, I think he is he's he is both enough of a blank slate and enough of a um, he showed me enough at the same time to be if if I could choose anyone to be the nominee for both what I want and who I think is most electable, give me uh, Raphael Warnock. That's awesome. I, uh, I mean, I'm definitely excited to see what happens. Um, beating, well, I guess hopes. I mean, gonna beat Herschel Walker. Okay, yeah. if he loses to Herschel Walker, I withdraw everything I just said. <laughs> the, the Herschel Walker thing is actually ridiculous. He is. Oh my god, he's such an idiot. Like, oh god. Um, we're we're also trying to cement Georgia as a blue state, which, by the way, is crazy. How we now right. have. We now have we probably have in you know, another six years of these two Democratic senators from Georgia, um, so that would be huge too. I think Warnock would also carry Georgia. I, I think the as Connor mentioned before, the political sorting of both parties in the next ten years is going to be very interesting to observe. Um, there, there is um, it, this is the first time I think in a very long time that both parties are going to uh, uh, have to decide which coalitions of voters and which interests they're going to choose to try to win national elections. It's all about the working class now. Um, so this hasn't happened since the 1970s. Um, and hmm. it could be totally plausible that in 10 years, the Republican Party is the party of the working class and the Democratic Party is the party of the business class. It could be true that, that, that the opposite occurs. Um, we are in a privileged position here as Americans to watch that occur. 
and it's it's going to be completely decided in 2024 with with whether Donald Donald I don't say completely decided. It's going to be significantly decided by Donald Trump's candidacy in this next election, um, and what and what 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 happens in 2012 in 2014. This would have been completely uh, unforeseeable. Yeah. But now here we are, less than 10 years later. I uh, yeah. I uh, guys, I I really appreciated being able to throw together this. This conversation about my, my, my two favorite things. Um, uh, <laughs> thank you so much uh, for joining us. Um, we are, again, we're, hey, we're starting to enter Thanksgiving weekends. Thanksgiving weekend, anyone? It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. Rivalry week coming up next week. We'll get power rankings to you next week. Um, and yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see you boys in Kansas City. See, see uh, good luck to everyone this week. And uh, yeah, I'll be it. Yeah, you turn me on.